You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. This has been one of those weeks where all of my appointments have felt like divine appointments related to this Sunday. It was interesting that most of my conversations with people, I would say, you know what I'm preaching on on Sunday, right? And they're like, what? And I was like, well, you're going to be an illustration because <laughs> we're talking about forgiveness. And um, forgiveness is one of those topics that we are most like God when we forgive. And so that's what I want us to camp on and to think about this morning is this difficult idea of forgiveness. And in particular, within a church body, because if we're honest with one another, the ones that have hurt us the deepest are our family and then also our extended family, which many times and hopefully for you is church family. And the reason that. Our family, our biological family, our church family has hurt us the deepest is because we've revealed more or they know most about us. And so the reason that we're hurt and that needs to be offered forgiveness is because many times the hurt that has been caused upon us surprises us. We've revealed something about ourselves, or they know something about us and they use it in a way that hurts us and it hurts us deeply. And we don't necessarily want to forgive. And so we'll talk about that this morning. But what does it look like for us to forgive even the deepest hurts and pains? And as we continue this series, Alelon, to each other or for each other, and what I want you to grasp is this thing called forgiveness. If you don't know Jesus and Jesus is not in you, then you can't forgive like what we're talking about. Because the forgiveness that we're talking about has to happen courageously through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's something that you cannot do on your own that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can walk away from the pain and the hurt and move forward in the midst of it. And the only way that can happen is is if you have experienced forgiveness on that level. And so you can't offer, this is one of those places in life where you can't offer to someone something that you haven't experienced. And so if as a follower of Jesus, you've experienced it in him. And so here Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, he's wrapping up his talk to the Ephesians, his letter to the Ephesians. And it's one of the things that he's talking to them. He's been talking to them about family and talking to them about the whole church thing. And he says to them, be kind to one another. And then this kind of, it feels very sterile language to begin with this, this idea of kindness. Cause we're, when we have a tendency to think of kindness, we're like, oh, we smile, we handshake, we do those kind of things. We give people cookies and treats, that kind of stuff, right? So when people come to your door for Halloween, you're going to be kind to them. And we kind of have that thing, but there's, this is a little bit more than that because the next phrase that Paul gives us is tender hearted. And this is family language, because in family language, it's like we, we are tender hearted. In other words, we let people know us is what this means. 
And so that we're kind, but there's this tender hearted, there's this vulnerability that the calluses of life, we kind of, we, we remove them because these are people that are our people and we let them know us. And then he says, so that we can forgive one another. And forgiveness is a difficult thing for us to do. And as I said, it's the moment that we're most like God than any other time. Why? Because he follows up and he says, just as God, we're to forgive one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I don't know about you, but when I contemplate what he's forgiven me, it's a lot. And that there's my human tendency sometimes is to even clean my stuff up so that I'm be like, I don't even want to put all of that before him. But God knows all of our stuff. He knows the thoughts. He knows the, the deep, dark places of our heart and our soul and our mind. And while he was on the cross, those the weight of all of even just my stuff is on him. And so that moment that we talked about even a few weeks ago of Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane and the crushing of him like oil coming out and that and the thought of I'm going to the cross and what does it look like for him to do that in the in the humanity of Jesus in the garden. We see most of his humanity more than any other time is because the struggle with God, the father, I am going to be separated from you in this moment for these people's sins. And so for us to lose the magnitude of that moment of what it means for him to forgive us, it's the whole point of the cross. It's the linchpin of faith. It's the linchpin of Christianity. If the cross doesn't happen, none of this means anything. And so in that moment, as he's falling on his face, as he's falling on his knees over and over and over again, in that moment of surrender, he's thinking of your stuff and my stuff. Not his stuff, but our stuff. And so here Paul says, just as God through Christ has forgiven you, forgive that family member or that church person or whoever that has stabbed you. And so this morning, I know this is a difficult topic because it's something we all deal with. I think sometimes we come in and we're like, ah, that's for my neighbor. <clears throat> Probably not, but we say that. And this is one we can all walk in and go, yeah, I'm holding on to stuff. And one of the things that the scripture talks about is that this forgiveness thing, if we don't forgive, then we hold on to bitterness and the, the weeds of life and that Unforgiveness grows up inside of us and it creates bitterness and all kinds of other stuff and literally leads to sickness because we're unable to forgive. Because we're holding on to something that's not ours. We think we have ownership over it, but we don't. So what is forgiveness? I'm going to give you several words that the Old Testament and New Testament use. One is kafar, which means to cover, to hide. It's this idea of of Taking what someone has done to you, whatever they've offensed that they've done to you, and you take it and you go out into the woods and the most furthest reaches that you can possibly go, take it, dig a hole, place it in there, cover it up and hide it in such a way that you can't ever find it again. And most of us, we take the offense 
And we put it up on a shelf and like put it in a book and like highlight it so that we can use it again. And here God says, go cover it and hide it so you can never find it. Think about how that would impact our relationships if we hid those things. The next one is NASA, not NASA. NASA, but to bear the weight of, to take away, to lift up. So think about it. I mean, when someone says, I forgive you, and you literally, like, you knew and you know that you needed forgiveness, and someone says, I forgive you, there is this lifting of the weight and the taking away. And again, the, the idea with it is that it's lifted up and taken away from you, and it's taken in a place, and it can never be found again. You don't own it anymore. Forgiveness means taking ownership of that offense from them and placing it, hiding it, and removing it from their account. Salak. This is a fun word. You get to spit on people. Say, so salak. Say that with me. Salak. There you go. Your neighbors are excited. They got friendly with you. We're past COVID. To send away. To let go. To unhinge from the leash. This is a word that's used for God's forgiveness for us, is that he unleashes us from the responsibility. That's powerful. On the cross, he unleashed us. When we say yes to what he did on the cross, he's like, you're forgiven. And he unleashes you from the weight of that. So therefore, forgiveness is a heavenly thing that we can do only because of God in us. To unleash from that. Charizomai, which is the word in Ephesians 4.32 for forgiveness. It's a word that Paul uses here and it means to deal graciously with. To be kind, tenderhearted, forgive. To deal graciously with someone that you don't want to deal graciously with. And then also, Ephemai, to send away or to let go. And then my favorite Spanish Greek word, apoyo. It's not chicken. But it makes me think of my weird mind of loosing and freeing chicken to let them roam. Right? Now you got it. You're going to go and say, I want a pollo today at lunch. And you're going to think about my sins have been leased, loosed and let go. It's a pardon and removal of the guilt and the abandonment of any claim on the guilty person. So you unleash and let them go. And you're like, the guilt is no longer, I can't hold it to them. It's not on the shelf anymore. I'm releasing them from that. Beautiful pictures. Throughout scripture, 97% of the scriptures that talk about the idea of forgiveness and use the words for forgiveness have to do with our relationship here between God and man so that man can forgive man. So it's extremely clear in Scripture that the only way that we can forgive one another is if we have experienced forgiveness first in and through Christ. Because our natural bent is to harm back and to create injury. Or we've got scales of if they'll do this or if you forgive me first, then I'll forgive you. And we've, we've got all this. And so the only way that can forgiveness can truly happen of the deepest pains is to get in that moment with God and say, God, what have you forgiven of me? 
And I think of the passage in Psalm 23 of the good shepherd of David talking about God being his good shepherd. And the beautiful imagery of that is, is that a shepherd, as his sheep come in for the evening, they've gone out and he's done his different things and they've allowed them to, to rest and to feed. But when they come in from the day, he stops them. He stands in the gap. A good shepherd stands in the gap before they go in the pen and he stops them. And so he has his, his crook with him and he stops and they stand here and he stops them not to count them as much as to care for them. And so when he stops them, they, they're here. And so he begins to pull back the wool and to, to look at and to see the places and moments of the day where they were injured and they were hurt. So that why? So that he can provide anointing oil so that there can be healing. But if a sheep were to try to get by the shepherd, they could go for a few days. But how many times is something deep under the wool that there's an injury and we don't want to fully disclose it? We don't want to kind of deal with it and it festers. So for there to be true healing in us so that we can offer forgiveness, we have to let the father do the examination that he needs to do so that he can do the healing. And that directly impacts our ability to forgive others. There's a beautiful story that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 18 of it's entitled in your in your Bible is the parable of the unforgiving servant. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples and Peter comes up to Jesus with a question and, and, and Peter asked Jesus, he said, Lord, how, how often should I forgive someone? And I imagine that this is Peter and his brother, Andrew who's also a disciple. And Peter and Andrew, they've been punching each other in the shoulder. And Andrew, you know, took one of his biscuits or something. I mean, they've got some stuff going on. And it's that headlock thing where brothers are headlocking each other. And it's like, I love you, but, you know, and they're giving each other noogies. And the noogies can get a little, I'm not going to forgive you, that kind of thing. So that's my mind. And so Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone like Andrew of his sins against me? Seven times? Now, if you don't understand that at the time, the Jewish teaching was three times was good. That was sufficient. So Peter's thinking, Andrew's offended me more than three times. I'm going to give actually more than seven, but I'm going to be good. I'm going to go more than three. I'm going to double it plus one, which is good accounting. And, and we do that. We're laughing because we've done this in our own thing with people. And so here Peter is asking how many times? And Jesus says, no. Not seven times. And I imagine Peter's like, yes, yes, seven times. I've, I've forgiven him seven times. So Jesus is going to say four. And Jesus says 70 times seven. And Peter's like, nah. Do you know my brother Andrew? And then Jesus tells us the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to the king who... Decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. So someone who rightfully had loaned money and rightfully could call back the debts whenever he wanted. So that's one of the things of the old days. If you owed someone, they could call in the debts whenever they wanted. And if you couldn't pay for them right then and there, then you went to prison. There were consequences for the debts that you did not weren't able to pay. So in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. The scholars say more than $10 million comparatively. So that's a lot of money, right? If any of us were called in and you owed $10 million, you had to pay it up today, we would be like, ain't got it. (laughs) Let me sell a kidney or something. I don't know. 
He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything his own. Not forgiving has consequences that we don't realize. The ripple effect of the small pebble of unforgiveness impacts those around us. The bitterness impacts those around us when we hold on to that debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay all of it. And then his master was filled with pity. Tender-hearted, kindness, forgiveness for him. And he released him and forgave him of his debt. So imagine the account books are before him. He's looking at it. The king looks at it and he calls his accountant over and says, this is what this guy owes. He owes me 10 million. Yes, this guy's like, I can pay it. I can pay it. And the guy king knows he can't really pay it. And he takes the account book and rips it up. And burns it. That's what Jesus did for us. He looked at our account book. He said, Chris. Yeah. Oh, that one's expensive. Yeah. I know you don't want to admit to that one, but yeah. And on the cross, he knew those. Before you were even born, he knew you. And he accounted for you. And he ripped it out. Paid in full for you. But when when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little time. Be patient with me and I will pay for it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now you understand... If he's not working, he can't pay the debt. So he will forever be in debt. He, this guy is like fighting against himself. That's what unforgiveness does. The bitterness, the, the, how it changes our perspective is that we don't even see things correctly. That we're the one who could actually maybe give back to us. We're putting them in prison and they can't even pay back the debt. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very angry, very upset. And so they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And they gave. And the king called in the man who'd forgiven him. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had mercy on you. Forgive one another. As God, through Christ, has forgiven you. We have people in our life that we keep accounts. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, "Mm, I'll forgive them this one, but not that one. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road for us, isn't it? Because we can keep long records of accounting. And we, we can put them in our own little book, depending on who they are and how much they've hurt us. And we can put it in this nice little book and bound it up and, and, and put it on the shelf so that we can readily pull it off and go... 
You owe me. You've hurt me. Do you remember what you did to me? And Paul says that the only way that someone can take that accounting and throw it away is that if we've experienced it through Christ himself. And at the most that we are like God is in moments where we can go, yes, I have account. Yes, I have account. Yes, I have account. But it's not my account anymore. I have pity on you because of what I have received in Christ. And I'm putting it away and hiding it. So that I can't even go find it when I want to. Because let's admit, there have been moments where we've forgiven, but we go back. And we're digging desperately because for whatever in moments it comes back. Because in our humanness it comes back. We don't necessarily forget. And it's in those moments where we're reminded we go back and we want to dig up. Jesus says, forgive. The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured. Tormented is what it means. Is this idea of continual just pests. Upon you, okay? You can imagine a prison of that day and what it would be to be tormented. To be tormented until his entire debt was paid. Again, how's he gonna pay? He's not. That's why my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive the debts of your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's interesting. The debt to forgive others is an ongoing, the process of forgiving others is an ongoing thing because of the debts we've been forgiven. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Now there's obviously obstacles to our forgiveness, and so there's a few things that kind of, to block us from that. One is not accepting our own forgiveness, like we don't fully grasp what God has, has forgiven us of, we misunderstand sins, we Thinking we can pay it off, and so we think that we can earn our salvation. And so if you're still in a mindset of earning your salvation, then you're not, you don't have it yet. Because you understand that you can't pay for the forgiveness that you need. And so I think about the Christmas gift, that you receive a Christmas gift, and you open it up, and you're like, cool. But you don't really know what it is. And you don't know what to do with it. I think that's what many of our neighbors, have, have, they know enough about Jesus, what I call being inoculated with religion. And they've heard about Jesus, they know a little bit about Jesus, and the gift has been offered, and they've kind of maybe opened the packaging, but they don't really know what to do with it. And so the misunderstanding of the gospel and the grace and the forgiveness that were offered in Christ. Or maybe you're at a place where you're trying to equal the scales. You've got a justice system of your own. And you're like, God, if they'll just get to this, like if the weight of the pain and the depth of the pain in their life and what they've done to me kind of equals out, then I will forgive them. None of us have done that. I know that, right? Or how about this? You go first. I'll forgive you if you forgive me. This was like an elementary junior high thing. Here's what I want you to get. Jesus' death and resurrection weren't dependent upon our behavior. Jesus' forgiveness for us is not dependent upon our behavior. The giving, giving of forgiveness is to be unconditional. This is hard. We want people to behave a certain way sometimes. The other one is, I just, I don't feel like it. I've heard that. 
many a time. Pastor, I just don't, I don't feel like it. I'm like, I get it. But here's the deal is forgiveness is a command from Jesus, not a suggestion. Just as it's a command to be joyful always and to pray always, it's a command. And again, we're most like God when we forgive. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says this way, when you stand up to pray, forgive. Because if you don't, your prayers may not be heard. Wow. Why? Because this, the understanding and the forgiveness here impacts here. So how do you forgive? A couple of things I want you to get. One is we, we work through denial, okay, denial that we haven't sinned and our sins aren't whatever, tough enough, big enough, bad enough, and we don't deny that we've done anything really wrong. And so First John 1, 8, if we claim we have no sin, we're only what? Fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So we've all sinned. We've all messed up. Sin is the idea of shooting the arrow of your life. And there's a target, and every time that you shoot the arrow of your life, every single time, not only do you not hit the bullseye, you don't even hit the target you miss. And so if we think our life is without sin, then we're just aiming the arrow, and we're celebrating thinking that we're hitting the bullseye, and we're not even hitting the target, and people are laughing, is the imagery. The delusion that it's only a small sin, in God's eyes, sin is sin, I know we can have that debate later, but if we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word's not in our hearts. The delusion that a sin is are different and weighted. Sin is sin. And so forgiveness, whenever Jesus was on the cross, he's like, oh, that's a half a sin. That's a third of a sin. That's a full sin. He wasn't doing that. He's like, sin is sin. He received all of it. And then also this idea of disclosure to experience God's full forgiveness requires full disclosure on our part. So go back with me to that moment of where the good shepherd is standing in the gap and he's pulling back the wool of our lives of the day. And he's like, what's this here? What happened here is the question. So God, the father, the good shepherd daily is asking us as we come in from the day to allow him to see fully disclose the hurts, the pains, the scars, the places we've been, the thoughts we've had. So that in those moments of full disclosure with specificity, we can receive forgiveness, which means it takes time sometimes to sit before the father and say, father, show me the things in me that are not of you. And many times we're in a hurry and we say, God, forgive me. And we move. And God's like, what would you like forgiveness for? That moment that you thought that thought or the moment that you said that about that person or the moment. For you see, we don't want to delve into the things that hurt the heart of God because we're afraid of hurting the heart of God. But God's heart's hurt, but he wants us to know what pains him. And the only way that can happen is through full disclosure of God. I 
confess to you this. But if we confess our sins to him, he is what? Faithful and just. What are his scales? Go first. What are his scales? I see it all. And I say yes to ripping out your account of God's accounting so that you can have life and be cleansed from all your wickedness. So therefore, my friends, forgive each other as you have received forgiveness in Christ. This is the hardest thing, I think, of being a follower of Jesus. Is seeing the accounting and saying, man, I want to, I want to, I want to do such and such to so and so for this and this. And saying, but that's not my place. And taking it and putting it and burying it. Now listen, we're not necessarily going to forget. And this is what I call coffee cup theology. Coffee cup theology is this. One, we offer coffee here because several reasons is personal space. With coffee, it's good coffee, but it also keeps people away from you. Because there are people that are huggers and not all of you are huggers. So you have your coffee. Like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Or some people will like get in your space. Like you can go into the cafe and the fellowship hall over here and people have their coffee and people kind of get into your space. And it's fun to watch because people are like, oh, awesome. Hey, how are you? Like you clink them and you back up and you're like, you're a little close. (laughs) You're a little close. That's forgiveness. The spirit of forgiveness is you put down your coffee cup and you allow people in. But see, we've allowed people in in the past and they've hurt us. So because people have hurt us and it's the ones that know us the best, the ones that pain us. And so we've learned to put a coffee cup up and go through life. And to kind of hold people at a distance. But for a family of God, we have to put our coffee cups down. And it's a risk. Trust me, it's a risk. To trust that you can hug them, that they can know you and love you. And in those moments where we do wrong, because it's going to happen, that the account book is short. Because we understand that we're all in pursuit of Jesus and that our heart is not to hurt. Our desire is not to hurt, but sometimes we do. And that we need to be modeling Jesus and offering forgiveness before maybe even the other person knows that they've offended us. So put down your coffee cups for just a moment. Allow God to draw close to you and say, God. Here's who I am. Show me where I need to be reminded of the forgiveness that you've already offered me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Christ. That your account book for each one of us could easily be volumes of wrongs and offenses.
But that God, on the cross through Christ, Jesus said, I receive all of the accounting of debts upon me. And said, Father, we forgive them. For they know not what they do. We forgive them. Father, we pray this morning that that's our heart. That you continue to work on our heart. As people that have said yes to you, that we can be most like you, Dad. When we forgive others. So, Father, this morning, as we let the mirror of you just reflect back, where do we need forgiveness? That we're just full disclosure. Father, as as sheep, we walk into the shepherd's pen and allow you to pull back the wool and to see the depths of our pain, the depths of our injuries, the depths of our wrongs and offenses. So that there can be healing. Father, we trust you. We remove our coffee cups and let you draw near to us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.